Well, hey, everybody, welcome to our midweek youth devotion. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight. I want to just show you something that, you know, if you've been around the youth group, maybe you've seen this one other time. I used it as an illustration, but I wanted to break it back out tonight to show you my curio cabinet. Now, I built this in the 10th grade in applied technology. Mr. McDougall was the teacher, and everything you see here, you know, other than the hinges and the handle, like I, I made this. I routed all the fancy decorative edges here, put the door together. I cut my own glass. Isn't that amazing? There's a glass shelf and a glass door. But inside, I actually keep a few things that, that are pretty important to me or special or at the very least, they kind of symbolize or show you what life was like for me during my high school years and just a few items, nothing too crazy. But, um, you know, for example, I keep all of my student IDs and my first driver's license, which all of which I received during that time of my life. I've got one from junior high, 2002, 2003, uh, skipped a year evidently, and then I've got all four high school student IDs there. In here, this I made with uh, Trish, who is now my wife, girlfriend at the time. We went to the Clay Cafe, made this little thing, very psychedelic, crazy. But inside, I keep a few things. Here's one of my first phones. This is called the LG Chocolate Slide, back when phones were very cool. Uh, not just one big piece of glass, a screen. Back in the days when you had to text using T9, now that took actual skill. Keep it in my curio cabinet. Every once in a while, I take a look and remember what life was like, I guess. Um, now, this is something, this was my diary, circa 2000, back when I was eight years old. And I thought tonight it would be interesting to read you my seven, yes, seven diary entries. That was all that I ever wrote in this thing. I guess I didn't get the full use of it. And who makes a diary this small anyway? So here we go. September 15th, 2000. Dear diary, well, I lost the keys to your lock and I'm finally, I finally found them. They were in an M&M box with my pogs. September 15th, doubling up this day. Well, today Vanessa dumped me to this guy who looks very weird. His name is Chris. I kind of mind, but I just hope something turns up. September 16th, 2000. I'm consistent at first. Next day. Well, it's me again, and I'm helping mom and dad clean the playroom. It's not very fun, but my dad says I'll get a prize later. Bribery at its finest, right? March 16th, 2001. Notice the long gap in between. Very sporadic. Hi, it is me again. I'm sorry I haven't been writing much lately. I'm supposed to have a project in by the 23rd. Talk to you later. April 16th, 2001. Wow, I can't believe that this is happening. I'm moving on July the 1st. It may be exciting now, but I know I will miss a lot. May 6th, 2001. My dad got voted in for the pastor in Fredericton. So now we go up there on the weekends to be there for church. Well, time for bed. See ya. And finally, June 6th, 2001. Two friends gave me invitations for parties. I cannot go to any. One is very extreme, at least on the invitation. But the other warms my heart because it's simple, and that's what I like. That's my diary. This is my curio cabinet. I keep a few things in there that remind me of my life from way back when, a few important, few important items. So this cabinet holds items of significance to me. And in the Bible, God's people in the Old Testament, they had a sort of curio cabinet. We call it the Ark of the Covenant. 
And like me, the Israelites kept some important items inside. Now, in the Jewish tradition, there was no physical item more sacred and holy than the Ark of the Covenant. You can read God's instructions to Moses on how to build it in Exodus 37. It had very specific dimensions, it had ornate finishings, and the whole thing was covered in a layer of gold. The Ark, it served as the only physical manifestation of God on earth at that time because his Shekinah presence dwelt between the golden cherubim that sat upon the lid of the Ark, called the Mercy Seat. The Ark was significant throughout their history. God used the Ark as an indicator of when he wanted the nation to travel or to stop. As soon as the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire would begin to move as they would wander through the wilderness, the priests carrying the ark were to move first. The ark was carried about 2,000 cubits, about half a mile, ahead of the nation in their travels. It was carried into battles. And, and, and when the people of Israel were about to cross the Jordan, guess who went in first with the ark on their shoulders? It was the priests, right? The Jordan parted, Israel went through. God spoke to the people from between the cherubim. And because the ark was so holy, when people touched it out of turn, they died. Just ask Uzzah. The ark brought blessing to wherever it resided. Just ask Obed-Edom. And once the tabernacle was constructed, only the high priest on the great day of atonement, one day every year, could even enter the holy of holies to stand before the ark. This, my friends, was a very important piece of furniture. It was Israel's most sacred and prized possession. But on top of all of this, it would seem that the ark served as a sort of memory box because it held a few mementos from Israel's past. So the question is, what was inside? The verse that tells us all three items uh, succinctly and completely It's actually found in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4. In that room, there was a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. And inside the Ark, here we go, were a gold uh, jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. All right, did you get that? Three items inside the Ark of the Covenant. They were the the tablets of stone, Aaron's rod that budded, and a pot of manna. The tablets of stone, now you can kind of maybe suggest uh, other symbolic meanings for these three items, but, but here's what I feel these three items in the Ark of the Covenant represent. Number one, the tablets of stone to me represent God's precepts. It's his word, the law, right? His, his word that speaks to his people. Secondly, Aaron's rod that budded. Uh, The rod, it was always a symbol of authority for leaders, right? And this is a rod that budded. And so it's authority and it's God's power among the people. And finally, the pot of manna. We all know what manna is and, and how the Israelites interacted with it in the wilderness. The pot of manna, it was a reminder and a symbol to Israel of God's provision, right? So you've got God's precepts, God's power, and God's provision represented inside the ark. God wanted Israel to always remember, evidently, because he's the one that told them to put these things in there, to remember that that three things were ever important and prominent. You need my precepts, you need my power, and you need my provision, right? You can't get far without my word, Israel. My law is what guides you and keeps you. 
Israel, you need my power and my authority in your midst. You need the miraculous among the people. And Israel, you need my provision. You know from your wilderness wanderings that without my provision, you're not going to make it very far. You need my hand to daily bring you sustenance. And so for generations, Israel would carry around this ark, and, and it brought a constant reminder to the people of what was most important. They knew the importance of God's word, right? When they were in alignment with it, God would bless. And when they were out of alignment, God would allow them to experience setbacks. That's the word. And as they would go to do battle against their enemies, they would realize time and again that without the power of God with them, his authority among them, they would be defeated. As they wandered through the wilderness, every morning they realized the importance of God's provision. The manna from heaven, it's what kept them and sustained them. Any other nation would have died in the wilderness of hunger, but but not God's people. God brought them through by his hand of provision, right? But eventually, Israel stopped wandering. The wilderness season of their existence came to an end, and and they came into the promised land. Eventually, the battles for that land, they subsided, and, and Israel entered into a time of peace. And where they once so relied upon God to help them, now they had crops and plentiful harvests. Now they had no threats around them from their enemies, and And it's in times of favor and blessing like this that it can be easy to forget the things that brought you to where you are. You enter into this season of Israel's history. Many would call it the glory days. It's under the reign of Solomon. And I think two verses that really illustrate to us and typify what it was like in this era are 1 Kings 4, 20 and 21. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. It's like the fulfillment of what God spoke to Abraham, right? They were very contented and watched. They had plenty to eat and to drink. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. The conquered peoples of those lands sent tribute money to Solomon and continued to serve him throughout his lifetime. Notice with me that Israel had no battles to fight and They had more food now than what they knew what to do with, right? So Solomon, he's he's got so much wealth and prominence, he decides to build a palace and he builds this even nicer temple. And eventually both projects are completed. And then he goes to dedicate the temple and he brings this sacred uh, piece of furniture, the Ark of the Covenant, and and he's bringing it into the temple on the day of dedication, putting it in its proper place. And, And this verse, I was reading about this and it grabbed me. And, and this was the inspiration of this devotion today. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 9. When Solomon brings the ark in, watch. The Bible says that nothing was in the ark except for the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Mount Sinai. I read that and I was like, wait, wait a second. There's a couple things missing. Right? There's no rod that budded. And where's the pot of manna? And so I began to just pray about it, and I said, God, what is the significance here? And this is what I feel like God led me to. In a symbolic sense, could it be that Solomon and the Israelites lost sight of the supernatural working of God's hand? Had they become so rich and increased with goods that they became indifferent and and lukewarm even to the miraculous? No rod, no manna, meaning there's no power, and there's no provision, no trusting in God, right? Right? 
Now, I'm not entirely sure what happened to these two other items, and I'm not trying to read something into the biblical text that it does not say, but I find it very interesting that along the way, somehow, somewhere, Israel lost sight of some important elements in their walk with God. They had the law. They still had the tablets of stone, right? They had the covenant, but they didn't have the power and they didn't have the provision. In essence, they didn't have that supernatural working of the Spirit. Now, I'll just qualify and say, we need the law. We need the Word of God, and I'm thankful, very thankful, that we are a part of a church that has sound doctrine. But hear me today, we didn't just get to this place by sound doctrine. We got here because we had a firm grip on the Word in one hand, but we also knew that we wouldn't get far without the supernatural power of God flowing in our midst. If you've got the word, but you don't have God's spirit flowing and working also, then you're heading in the wrong direction. It was the Apostle Paul who said that the letter killeth, but it's the spirit that giveth life. If all you've got is law and word and covenant, but you don't have the spirit at work, then it's deadness. And so here Israel is in this time of favor and blessing. And and in times of favor and blessing, it can be very easy to forget the things that brought you to where you are. And so eventually, Israel, they lose all the ground that God had given them. Their unified nation under Solomon splits in two, and it's for other various reasons as well. But, you know, eventually they were overthrown by the enemy. They were taken into exile. Things fall apart. And maybe along the way, they stopped fully trusting in God. Perhaps they stopped leaning on him to provide when they saw that they could provide for themselves. You know, God help us to never get to the place where we feel self-sufficient and feel like we can just kind of conjure up some atmosphere and we can trust in our trinkets and our toys and we, we have so many things around us that we can lean on. We have buildings and we have electricity and technology and staff and so much, but, but God help us to never get to the place where God's power and God's supernatural provision are optional. Right? Let us never get to the place where we gather and, hey, we've got the word, but the power and the provision are absent. I don't want to be a church that over time starts to believe that we can do this without God's help. We need him in this generation just as much and even more than just two, three generations ago needed him. Right When, when biblical doctrine and apostolic doctrine was being restored to God's church, they needed God to come through, and God did. They prayed, they sought God, and his spirit would move and and operate in a powerful way. And now we're, we're resting upon the blessings that they helped to produce, right? We are standing upon the shoulders of great men and women of God that have gone before us and help us to not get to the place like with Solomon that, that we have great word and we have sound doctrine, but we don't have the power or God's provision. I want to pray with you tonight, and I'm so thankful for your attention. I wonder if you would join me in prayer. Lord, God, I'm thankful for this time that we've had together. Thank you for the the, the scriptures that we've covered tonight. And I pray that you would help us to always keep the important things uh, in their proper place. God, help us to keep the main things the main things. God, we need your word, yes, but God, we need your power at work and we need your supernatural provision in every service and every, every day that we live, really, God. We need you. Help us never to forget that, Jesus. We love you, we honor, honor you, and we thank you for the time that we have had. Go with us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening tonight.